You're listening to New England Public Radio News. I'm Susan Kaplan, and this is The Shortlist, NEPR's Week in Review. Joining us today, Natalia Munoz of WHMP's Vaya con Munoz and Mike Dobbs from the Reminder Newspapers. Thanks to both of you for being here. Hello. Thank you. All 11 members of Massachusetts' congressional delegation is saying no to Attorney General Jeff Sessions. More specifically, they're all calling for his resignation following the Washington Post story that Sessions, despite his testimony to Congress during his confirmation hearings, did meet with Russia's ambassador. Natalia, six weeks ago today, the new administration took over. Let's grade Western New England senators and reps and how effective they've been either in opposition to President Trump or in attempts to reach consensus. Gladly. I think Elizabeth Senator Elizabeth Warren, A+. plus. She is a rabble rouser. Uh, Senator Ed Markey, A+. plus. Congressman uh, Jim McGovern, A+. plus. Congressman Richie Neal, C+. See, because he is not doing the hard work that needs to be done where you reach across the aisle and you try to work with people from an, with an opposing point of view to get them to become reasonable people. Well, how do I know that? Yeah. Well, he has certainly has not said, hey, I sat down yesterday with uh, any number of my fellow congressmen and had a long conversation about why that wall in Mexico won't hold or had okay. a conversation about why the 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 HUD secretary, Ben well, Carson? I'm glad you raised that. Mike, Senator Elizabeth Warren, who we just heard uh, complimented significantly by Natalia, withdrew her support from Dr. Ben Carson, Trump's pick for Department of Housing and Urban Development. She voted for him in committee, was criticized mightily by the left. Why do you think she decided to vote against him in the end? I think that uh, Senator Warren has become uh, a national um, figure. Uh, I think that when you're thinking about progressive politics, she's probably right behind, if not shoulder to shoulder with Bernie Sanders in public perception. And I think that she now understands that uh, the role that she needs to play here is to be that member of the loyal opposition. And I, I can certainly understand why she would change her vote on, on Dr. Carson. Natalia, for those that you gave high grades to, do you think their opposition has made a difference? It's making a difference in concrete ways. For instance, Congressman Jim McGovern has had a few town meetings with his constituents. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, as Mike just said, is out there, out in front, fighting in very precise terms, telling her colleagues on, in the Republican Party that what they're doing is wrong for the United States of America. That's why they get an A-plus, is because they're actually doing something. McGovern sends out emails. What did I see uh, Congressman uh, Richard Neal do recently? He went to the wall. He went to visit the wall between Mexico and Texas. That's not the hard work of government. The hard work of government is trying to convince people who have a point of view that is detrimental for the vast majority of people in the United States to convince them, look, look at it from this other point of view. Please don't vote these policies that will leave people without health insurance, that will leave them if they're much more vulnerable than they already are. Okay, okay. Well, we're going to move on, and guess what? The plot has thickened in the casino story. A new player, so to speak, could be coming to East Windsor. The Mashantucket Pequots and Mohegan tribes hope to run it, but that decision is still pending. It wouldn't be a full casino like his plan for Springfield, but it would be more than a slots parlor. Here's East Windsor Selectman Bob Maynard describing the location. 
What we're looking at is a vacant showcase cinema theater. This has been vacant for about 10 years. It's uh, right off I-91, and that's why they built the cinema here. Easy access from uh, many of the regional towns. So it's an ideal site for a, a casino. So, Mike, clearly they hope this will keep Connecticut gamers from driving the 13 miles up the road once MGM's Springfield Casino opens. You wrote about it this week. What do you think? Well, yes, I was exercising some regional patriotism, uh, mainly because as a Springfield taxpayer, I want MGM to succeed. I really don't want three blocks of downtown space to be uh, vacant. You know, there is contradictory evidence within the world of gaming about the proximity of a casino and the behavior of the gambler. There was one report that I read that basically said if you have Casino A here and you put Casino B in between or closer to a population center, that population center will go to B because they're going to go to the first place. Where that falls apart, of course, is where you have communities where you've got a whole bunch of different casinos so people can pick and choose based on what amenities those casinos offer. What do you really think is going to happen? What I really think is going to happen is that there's a good chance if they put up a co-Native American casino in East Windsor, that is going to hurt Foxwoods and Mohegan more than it's going to hurt MGM. All right. Well, Natalia, what's your take on all this? The, The State Gaming Commission chair told us he isn't really concerned about how it will affect revenue from the Springfield Casino, but I suppose that opinion isn't terribly surprising. I don't think that a third casino is going to hurt any of the casinos any more than when you're walking down any city and there are a gazillion Starbucks coffee shops. And I think that adding on to what Mike just said, that will add another revenue stream to the two tribes. And in terms of, and I'm not sure if this is the question you asked. Don't worry about it. Is it competition for MGM? No. MGM is a behemoth. MGM is MGM is going to be, you know, Walt Disney is coming to Springfield, and what's being proposed in East Windsor is, uh, you know, a roller coaster. I'm glad you put it that colorful way because guess who's coming back to town? It's Plato, and I do wish I had some right now. They've announced <laughs> their. I do. It's so much fun. They announced they're going to start manufacturing some Made in America dough again nearby in East Longmeadow. Mike, the company told the Wall Street Journal the move has nothing to do with President Trump and the pressure he's put on outsourcing manufacturers. Do you buy that? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, In fact, we're doing a story uh, on this, but the stuff that we have uh, read about so far is that the cost of transportation with the increase of demand in the United States for Play-Doh products is the thing that is spurring this return of the manufacturing. In other words, um, they've been making in, in Turkey and all sorts of other places around the world. What they're now seeing is that there's kids, more kids playing with Play-Doh, and it's, it makes economic sense to produce it here. Can I just say that I, this is Debbie Downer speaking. It's just 20 low-paying jobs. It's not like it's making America great again. That was Natalia Munoz from Vaya con Munoz and the reminders, Mike Dobbs. Thanks to you both. Thank, thank you. you. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning into the shortlist, NEPR's Week in Review. You can catch the shortlist anytime by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes or by going to nepr.net slash podcasts. I'm Susan Kaplan, and this is New England Public Radio. Mm-hmm.